it's all good. How's it going? It's very uh, hello, lovely hello. To see your face for reals. <laughs> very lovely to see your face for it reals. It is. This is um, so exciting. Strangers, our fellow stranger listeners, this is the first time Mike and I are seeing each other's faces. If that's what you, if that's what you want to call it, eye. to Zoom. We can't even blame COVID. It's mostly just yep. laziness. We even live near each other, and we're still doing it this way. That's true. Same neighborhood, and and we're both we're both pretty yes. uh, pretty out and about people. Uh, I, I know I go for lots of walks. Yep. I'm always walking the baby, who I'm watching, who there I'm watching now on the monitor. So, so, <laughs> yep. So uh, so yeah, and it, it's amazing. We've never run into each other. So what's weird is that I, especially with the anticipation of starting this podcast, when I'm out and about. I, because I know what you look like from social media, I like actively am like, if I ever see Mike in public, I'm not going to approach him. Like it'll be an active steering clear and not approaching you. And I say that because another family that I work with um, doing like video creation, uh, I have, it was a surprise for the dad. It was a mm -hmm. Father's Day video. Never met these people before in my life. Never saw them ever saw him twice while I was making the video. He was just on his morning jog. He has no idea who I am because it's a surprise. So I see him twice, run into his wife who I'm working for three times in the park. And I'm wow. like, I've literally never seen these people ever. And then I just continuously, so I, I'm, I'm aware of my surroundings because I'm like, if I see Mike, I'm gonna walk away, which is rude. Yeah, it's, I definitely understand it, you know, based on, you know, what, 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 what we've been doing and working on. Uh, that's really interesting though. It's like, it's like the same thing happened with me. Like as soon as we had the baby and started walking the baby around in her stroller, we start seeing all these other babies and all these other strollers. Like I never noticed them before. That's like when you, when you're, when you're uh, searching for cars to buy a new car and then you see that car everywhere. Like, oh, I really see that car all over the place. So uh, yeah, Fairmount is a really, uh, really interesting neighborhood. Uh, it it's really, it's, uh, it's, it's like a young professionals neighborhood, I guess you can say, uh, yeah. lots of families, lots of babies. Uh, and it's, it's pretty, it's one of the best neighborhoods to go for walks. So, uh, so I, I certainly don't blame you for being out so much. I agree. And so I used to really love my Fairmount nighttime walks. So I didn't used to live in Fairmount. I just moved to Fairmount back in July. Okay. Um, so I used to live up near Temple. And for anyone listening to this podcast, this is real boring right now if you don't know where Temple or Philly is like. But <laughs> it's 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 an interest it'll get interesting, I swear. Um so I used to live up there, wasn't a great walkable neighborhood. Moved down here, was like, wow, look at the art museum, the rocky steps for those who are familiar. All in my backyard, so beautiful. Last weekend I went to DC to visit a couple of vaccinated friends because we can plug vaccines here. That's right. Uh, vaccinated friends, and they their neighborhood is next to where all the embassies and embassy residences are. Oh wow! Okay. Their neighborhood, and then obviously the neighboring neighborhood where the Obamas live, is beautiful. It makes Fairmount look like a trash can. Really? And I was like, you know, I really liked my nighttime walks and what I thought was a rather bougie neighborhood. And then I'm like walking in their neighborhood thinking, wow, well, that's ruined it. So now it's just a different, I've got a different set of eyes in our neighborhood now. Cause I'm like, well, look at all that trash. Look at all that. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of trash stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then their neighborhood of, yeah. was like, oh, look at me. I'm the Obamas. And I'm like, all right. Then. Is that in the city though? 
Is that still urban or is that mm. suburban? In DC? No, it's right in right in the center of the city. Wow, that's really interesting. But yeah. it's like plucked out of like a an old English neighborhood. Yeah, I, DC yeah. had DC is beautiful in certain areas, and and for for those who don't know, so so you were referring to Temple. That's Temple University, uh, correct? And and Temple University is an incredible school. They, they've done amazing things for Philadelphia and the area. Uh, but some areas, some parts where Temple is can be a little dangerous and not so safe. Uh, I've spoken to Temple students and they get a lot of alerts on their phones constantly about yes. muggings or whatever whatever happens. And and that's a you know that, that that's a real shame. Uh, Fairmount is a very, very safe, uh, really beautiful neighborhood in Philly. Uh, it's technically where the art museum is, which is the Rocky Steps, for those of you who are mm -hmm. not familiar with Philadelphia. Uh, so it's really like the art museum area and the Eastern State Penitentiary. Uh, so it's a really, really small neighborhood, lots of new construction, construction on every block. So it's yes. really, 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 uh, it's getting there year by year. It is. It is. And when, and when Mike says Eastern State Penitentiary, we're not really excited that there's a prison on our, in our neighborhood. <laughs> But for those who have been to Philly, it is a tourist attraction now. Yes, so yes. It's no longer an active penitentiary because that would be a claim to fame. If that I would be terrible. That. that would be really the, bad if there was a really prison. lovely neighborhood with the prison in the center. Yep. But there, there are towns. So I'm from Wisconsin originally, uh -huh. and there are towns that I mean, yeah, their their sole like economy, their sole like way of life is the prison because prisons are their own communities you know like they need to hire teachers and healthcare professionals and security and food employees and all that and they're massive like especially the federal prisons so wow. you have like this federal prison and then all surrounding it are like where the co's live uh -huh. the apartments for their correctional officers and then the town itself yeah it'll have like a few restaurants it'll have a small school and like because the town like is flourishing because of that prison. Ah, uh, I've never heard of that. That's fascinating. Oh, you haven't so, seen small town Wisconsin. So this is a this is a private prison, like a for-profit mm -mm. prison? No, these are these are state-owned or federally owned prisons. Wow, that's fascinating. I've yes, heard of I've I'm, heard of places yeah. thriving because of colleges like uh uh like Manhattan like I went to Manhattan College which is uh, in the Bronx. So it's a Manhattan college in the Bronx, which makes no sense. And right. But it's in uh, a part of the Bronx that is really, really beautiful and flourishing. And there's mansions and it's uh, a really, really, really beautiful part of the neighborhood. And a lot of uh, that area improved because of the college. And the college did a lot for the local economy. And you can say the same for Philadelphia with Drexel and UPenn and Temple. Yeah. So I've heard of colleges improving economies. I've never heard of a prison improving an economy. So that's fascinating. Yes, and I'm I am Wapan. God, I could not think of the name of that prison. Wapan Correctional Institution. It's I want to say it's the oldest prison in Wisconsin, and like parts of it are built like the Eastern State Penitentiary, like still wow. to this day, like concrete walls isn't very like well regulated as far as the temperature is concerned. Like they have the big industrial fans during the summer because there's no air conditioning. And yeah, it, it's, it's a really beautiful kind of medieval looking prison. And yeah, it keeps the small town of Waupon, Wisconsin. Try to spell that, Mike, just out of curiosity. Waupon? Uh-huh. Uh, I'm gonna say W-I-S-P-O-N. 
Why? <laughs> like a, a silent, <laughs> silent S. Uh, no, it's W A U P. Now I'm forgetting how to spell it. I don't know if it's O N or A N at the end, but it, it has a W A U, which W-A-U. is pretty famous for the A U situation. Oh, in their in our words. Okay. So like where I grew up is is Waukesha, Wisconsin, and that was like W A U, not W A L K. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's my Wisconsin history lesson for everyone listening. So isn't that sort of like a like a bit of a double edged sword? They call it. I think I just recently found out that it was a sword and not a double-edged something else. But double-edged sword, isn't that a bit of a double-edged sword where a prison helps an economy? Isn't that a little bit of like a like a positive-negative kind of thing? I would have, yes. Yeah. I, I believe so, yes. I mean, like everyone needs a job. Correct. And there's always, there will always be prisoners. Correct. So... There's that. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yes, and yeah, the more prisoners, the, the better the economy will do. I don't know. So I, I, you say that, but then I used to work. So the only reason I even know what this prison looks like, um, like from the inside out and these like technicalities is because I had a, an internship in college for the Wisconsin Department of Corrections. And I wow. worked in the HR department. So we did, we went to all these prisons because we had like hiring fairs and, um, you know, or, or people had interviews inside the prison. Um, and it's finding correctional officers is very similar to like, I work in healthcare, like finding in a med- a medical assistant, like they're, they're a dime a dozen because there's such a high turnover rate yeah. for correctional officers. So I guess the economy may or may not do better or worse if there are more prisoners or more Correctional officers, because everyone quits anyways. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's... But I, I see your point. I see your point. Yeah. It, Listeners, it's, chime in. It's really, you know, like uh, for myself, so I'm sure we'll talk a lot about ourselves throughout this podcast, is uh, I am a speech and language pathologist. So I, I mm-hmm. work in the areas of speech and language. Uh, and a lot of uh, what we do and a lot of what myself and other people in the... Uh, the field they're looking at is, you know, like uh, like taking away a recess or detention or expulsions, whatever it be. Are those really helping decrease behaviors? Are those really doing what they're supposed to do? And and I think there's a very similar conversation happening with some more of the you know the liberal politicians and liberal lawmakers of you know is, do prisons really help? Uh, and are there other alternatives and those sorts of things? And I think this, this is a discussion we'll continue to have. Uh, and another really fascinating speech and language therapy prison story that I, that I've heard a while ago is uh, there was this there was this man who was being accused of murder or rape or whatever whatever it may be, and he was and it was a he was a really big African African American male. And he could not speak because he had such a severe stutter and he couldn't defend himself. He couldn't do these things. And they were ready to uh, convict him and they were ready to uh, to send him right to jail and all these things. But then a speech and language pathologist came in and helped him shape his fluency and get his words out with his stutter. And he was able to explain what happened, who did it, what the truth was, what reality was, and then he was set free. Pretty, pretty, wow. pr- pretty fascinating, huh? 
My career would never save someone's life. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You look never at, know. Look at yours. Saving yourself, saving somebody, yeah, yep. from potentially like death penalty level. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it, wow. it's when I first heard that story, I was just like, oh my goodness. Like that's a that's a speech and language pathologist dream right there. You know, obviously yeah. you can you know, you can help a young child and help them gain their words and gain their speech. But if you can do something like that, that is a career well done. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. Oh, my job is so not cool. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about ourselves for a little bit and how like two strangers in a podcast, which is by far one of my favorite names of a podcast ever, if I do say so myself, how this came to be. I will let you go first, Mike. Sure. Uh, so my name is Mike McLeod. I am a speech and language pathologist, like I just said. Uh, I moved to Philadelphia from Long Island, New York and, and New York City, uh, the Bronx, uh, in 2016, I think it was, 2015 or 2016, I uh, moved here to the Fairmount neighborhood. I've lived in several different areas in Fairmount. Uh, and I run a private practice for speech and language pathology, specializing in ADHD and executive functioning. Uh, so it's a small business geared towards providing specialized therapy to children and young adults. So we, so we work with children as young as three and as old as college graduates. Uh, and we specialize in those special life skills of executive functioning. So for those of you who don't know what executive functioning is, it's the, the prefrontal cortex of the brain right behind the forehead. And it focuses, focuses on the ability to self-regulate, self-motivate, self-evaluate. And it's all based on internal language and self-talk and the ability to talk to yourself and picture to yourself. So it's very language-based. And these are true independent skills uh, skills that allow someone to be independent in their life and get through difficult tasks and get through boredom and get through the inevitable ups and downs of life without adult interaction. Uh, and part of, in today's world, the world of 2020, 2021, if you have a small business, you also need social media. You also, you know, it's, and you need to have a Facebook, you need to have a Facebook page, you need to have an Instagram, you need to have a LinkedIn. This is just part of what it all comes down to. And myself as a therapist who loves interacting with people, I love sitting like like this right here. This this idea of doing this podcast instantly sparked the flame within me. And I was like, this is an amazing idea for us to sit and talk and chat. And I love meeting people and talking and like old school chatting without screens and tech. So the whole social media side of small business I absolutely cannot stand. It is just not fun for me. It's uh, it's a little ridiculous in terms of followers and likes and who can make the prettiest page. And speech language pathology Instagram has kind of gotten to that point where there's there's like you know there's speech therapists with sixty thousand followers and a hundred thousand followers, and it's it's you know it doesn't mean they're a better therapist or better working with kids or better working with adults. They just are really, really good at making beautiful little pictures. And art is something I have always sucked at my entire life. <laughs> I, I cannot draw a straight line with a ruler. I was always that kid in art class where we'd be given an art project and we were supposed to work on it for like a couple of weeks and then turn it in a couple of weeks. I would always finish it the first day. I would just get it done as fast as I could so that I could do what I wanted. I, I I have no, my wife has organized our entire house. 
She even she even came to our clinic and set up art in the clinic. You know, I'm the kind of guy that needs a couch and a TV. I don't I, I don't I don't I'm not good at art at all. And so basically, uh, you had posted on the Fairmount neighborhood page, "Hey, I'm I'm starting my social media business, my small social media business. I'm willing to help people with their Instagram and social media." So I jumped on that instantly. And little did I know that you and I would hit it off and uh, and really have a lot in common. And here we are. Here we are. What a lovely like segue into. Hey, cheers. I have a, mm-hmm. I have a variety of drink options next to me. Nice. But they make noise. Like they have ice and such in them. I, didn't I have plain before. old water with a tea bag in it. Is it a, okay. So is it's it cool. like an old, <laughs> it's, is it an old tea bag? No, it's green tea. Oh, okay, it's fresh. Oh, yeah, okay. fresh, fresh. So it just adds, it gives a little flavor to the water. Gotcha. Uh, yes. So what a lovely recap of your career and how we met. Uh, I, for privacy reasons, can't give a whole lot about what I do since I work for a private company, but my name is Jess Hughes. Uh, I do uh, work in public affairs, um, government relations for a large nonprofit federally qualified health center here in the city. Uh, We've been huge advocates of vaccines and making sure that those who maybe have less access have access to the vaccines. Um, And that's what we do, that we make sure that folks who may not have access to affordable, high quality healthcare have it. Um, So we do have a center here in the Fairmount neighborhood. Uh, I've always lived close to that center um, back before I lived near the university and now I live in the art museum neighborhood. It's the same exact distance, about one mile, just in different directions from our center. Uh, So yeah, as Mike said, So I finished my master's in public health back in the fall. And for about five days, I would finish work and then move directly to my sofa and watch (laughs) television until approximately 9 p.m. And then I would go to bed. And I did that for five days and thought, oh, my God, there are people who do this forever. Yeah. Until they die. They do this until they die. That is horribly depressing. And I was bored and I was used to going to like working full time, doing my master's full time to nothing, just working during a pandemic, which means that you weren't doing anything after work uh, to make yourself feel a little busier. So I had started doing social media for my current job um, and thought, you know what? I could probably make a business out of this, uh, meet some people, I don't know, have, have a little side hustle happening. And then, yeah, as Mike described, I posted on our Fairmount neighborhood group and got an enormous response. <laughs> um, I want to say I, I got something like 20-something messages. Wow. Um, and then I filtered my way through those who were, you know, everyone I responded the same thing. I know this is what I'd be looking for. Let's chat. Let's set up a time to talk. And then I think three out of the 20 actually responded to my request to talk. So, Mike, it's you another young woman who makes jewelry, and then another guy who is a realtor. And I spoke to all three of you, and then you and the young woman who does jewelry are the two that I went with. And yes, I know. Made the right Uh, choice. Thank you. I I agree. So yeah, I mean, I I do that. And my, my side business I've now named Tall Gal Media, because for those who don't know, I don't know if I told you this, Mike, I'm six feet tall. 
That's Did impressive. Did I mention that to you before? Yeah, I'm a tall person. And um, I am I am a short person. I am oh, five. I am five, probably between five eight and five nine. Okay. Pro hey, my boyfriend five, is five nine. I'm my probably five nine. Probably five nine. Yeah. So he argues that he's not short; that he's the average height of a man in, in America. It doesn't so? doesn't bother me. Okay. Is your wife <laughs> tall? No, she's shorter than me. She's probably like five, okay. uh, five five maybe. Five okay. six. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. like maybe she's above average for a woman though. Uh, so look at you two. Look yeah. at you two. Yeah. You just just one average household. One average household with an with an average baby. No. Eden is adorable. Oh, wait, can we use her name? I can always cut that out. Yeah, you can say Eden. Okay. No, look at Eden. There She's she is. Knocked she out. She is. Look at like the cheeks on that girl. I told her I had a massive. podcast today. I told, her I, I told her I had a podcast at 12 and she passed right out. Look she at that. passed right out. What, look at that. what a trooper. Look yeah, at her. right? That's great. Her, she's, yeah. she's not a she's good napper. Listening. She's not a good oh. napper. She'll nap maybe, you know, babies are supposed to nap for about two hours at a time. And okay. she, her naps are like 20, 30 minutes. So she loves to be up. Jeez. So yeah, we're, she's. It's like my worst nightmare about having kids is eh. not sleeping. Well, she sleeps great in the night. We're having a little bit of a four month regression, but okay. her, her nighttime sleep is great. So we put her to bed at seven. She's probably out cold by 7.30. And then she used to sleep all throughout the night and not wake up until 7 a.m. But now she gets up maybe at like. 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. She needs a, needs an extra feeding and then goes back to sleep. Okay. So she has her moments. Okay. <laughs> I'm not ready for kids. That, that's just something. That can be like episode 99 that we talk about in six years. Yes, yes. We can talk about them and be like, oh, Mike, I'm, I'm expecting. How exciting. Because you're, you're still very young. Chips. Well, you say that as if you're old. Uh, 34. Yes, so, I'm I'm tw I'm 28. 28, 28, 28 yep. young, 28 young. Yes, yes, I will be the the most boring birthday, 29, in my opinion, mm. in in like two months. Okay, that's yes. that's that that's gonna be fun. Yeah, I really I liked. Mean, I just, well, sorry, I really liked. I really liked your story that you were describing before, because you know the the clinician in me, the SLP in me, was like, wow. That is really, really good executive functioning, the way you described it. And the example that you gave was internal language and self-talk because you were watching TV, watching TV, and all of a sudden you said to yourself, you had a conversation with yourself, and you said, I can't do this anymore. I'm bored. People, people do this forever. Let me go find something to do. And that right there is what's missing in ADHD Thank and EF you. is these kids don't talk to themselves. There's no internal dialogue. That's why they can play Fortnite, Minecraft, Roblox, video games for hours and hours and hours because they're stuck in the moment and they're not talking to themselves. So that was a really, really great example of strong executive functioning. So I can tell you right now that you do not have ADHD. So there you go. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> all right. Another cheers to a diagnosis. Cheers to a diagnosis. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> or non-diagnosis. Um, well, let me wrap it up. So I had, yeah, I started Tall Gal Media, uh, doing social media content creation, recently started getting into video production. So this weekend, actually, I was in New York um, filming oh, wow. a, photo, a model's photo shoot um, nice. to give her like a background of like, hey, this is me at work kind of thing, me in action. Um, and then we've started this podcast. And... I don't know, like a part of me, like I love, love what I do. Like I love healthcare. I think 
accessible, affordable healthcare is, yes, you know, should be a should be a right, not a privilege. Absolutely. However, I really do like media, and I've been kind of juggling with this idea of, you know, am I in the right place with healthcare? You can find a way to do both because both of those things are super important because the way the way the world now consumes media so most people get our information via media instead of the old school newspaper or the news or those sorts of things but this whole idea of of affordable healthcare free healthcare medicare for all whatever it may be is super duper important like it's just such a messed up thing in this country that healthcare is tied to your job that if you get really sick or injured you can go broke or bankrupt or be in debt it just makes no sense. Like the bills that we got after my, my wife gave birth, it's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, and, you, you know, maybe you can find a way to do something sort of like a, like a Humans of New York vibe kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, like, you can find a way to create media around people that require healthcare that, you know, like you can kind of tell stories. So one good thing about media is it helps people get the word out. It helps people tell stories. Maybe somewhere down the line, you know, keep doing the fun stuff, keep doing Instagram for speech therapists and jewelers. And then eventually <laughs> you can find a way to create media, media around healthcare. So if anyone is tuned in, Mike is clearly like a therapist. I feel like every time we talk, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing life right. This is yeah. great. Yeah. Do you do you need it back? Like I think you're doing a hundred percent of life. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. you there, there, there's certain there's certainly some areas that I can improve upon, uh, but you know it's it's definitely it's definitely a great career. Uh, I have you know we have we have a great team. I work with some incredible people. The students I work with, the families I work with, it's uh, it is truly a blessing. Well, aren't you? just the nicest person. (laughs) Yeah, gotta try. Let's switch to our topic today. Let's do it. Our topic is making friends as an adult. Okay. And I really wanted to tell, talk about this with you because I know that this goes back to, yeah, that internal language, how we're, how we function as human beings to be able to make friends. But also, I just have loads of embarrassing stories. Oh, no, Eden. You, uh, You heard that? I did. Oh boy. Oh, she looks to be she's she's Yep. Let me go grab her. Okay, no I'll be worries. Right, be right back. Okay. Okay. So making making adults as friends. Which is where we left off. Uh yeah, I love this topic because I have embarrassing stories and I thought it would fit well into Let's do it. what you specialize in. So I would like to get started with that topic with my first story. So I am pretty shameless when it comes to making friends. Uh, I have not always been like this, and we can get into that. Mm. But my most recent friend-making fail, I think, yeah. was my birthday last year. <laughs> There's a restaurant um, down the street called Bishop's Collar that does amazing boozy slushies. So it was hot. We were there to get a boozy slushy to bring back home with us with dinner. And there was this girl, and I always notice people's height. And I like to comment on it, like women especially. And mm. I say, like, I like your height. Because then she's like, wait, what? And then she looks at me and realizes I'm too <laughs> tall. And then we can start a conversation. You would think, you know, 
and it always appears like I'm trying to pick you up, but like, I just comment on height. So this girl and I start talking. She's tall. She's new to the area. She's with her running group. Um, you know, we seem to have similar interests. She's going for, for her like MSW or something like that. Ah. We really seem to hit it off. And then I ask her, because I always then do this, I ask for their phone number. And I was like, hey, you want to, like, can we exchange numbers, like, to hang out sometime or whatever? And she looks at me and she goes, oh, I don't give my numbers to strangers. But I was like, yeah, but I was like. She said no. that? And then I, like, didn't really know where to go from there. And my boyfriend was standing there with me. And he's like, I can see him, like, snickering because he thinks it's funny when I'm rejected by people to be their friends. And then she proceeds to ask me, oh, is, is that your boyfriend? I was like, yes. She was like, oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, did she think I was hitting on her? But like, oh, then she said, that's right. She says, oh, well, I wasn't sure like to ask because you know, it's 2020. And I was like, wow. Okay. So you're wow. implying that you can't. Oh, okay. Um, and then I just had to kind of stand there awkwardly and be like, I've been rejected and she doesn't want to be my friend. And she, maybe she's like homophobic and I don't know what to do now. And then we left and my boyfriend laughed at me and was like, you are relentless. You get rejected and you just keep going. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Well, you got, you got to keep going. You definitely got to keep going. That's a, that's a great story because it just highlights so many things that suck about this topic. Yes. You know, when, when you and I came up with this topic, it, it's something that, you know, you and I are both transplants mm -hmm. to Philadelphia. Yep. And what's sad is that girl was also new to the area. Right. So you would think you would think that she'd be a little bit more open and a little bit more flexible in meeting new people. And, you know, like, 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 what are you going to do with her number? Are you going to be texting her all the time and signing her up for, for, you know, is she going to get spam calls? If you know, right. Like that's, that's a little, you know, so, so this topic is, something that I think a lot of people struggle with and it's very rarely talked about. I agree. And I think it's, and I think it's great on this podcast. Now we're going to have both the male and female perspective. Yes. So, so I always thought, you know what, it's probably a little bit easier for females to make friends as adults because, mm -hmm. you know, they tend to be a little bit more outgoing. Uh, you know, a, a dude making a dude friend is a little hard, that sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, hey, dude, you want to hang out sometime? And, you know, like, it's, uh, it's, it's not that easy. No, you're and right. And it's, it's, yeah, it's really, really hard. It's really, really hard. And, you know, I feel like a lot of this, you know, just like we talked about with prisons, just like we talked about with healthcare, I feel like a lot of it is kind of like an American culture problem. Okay. I really think, I really think it's easier for adults to make friends in like other countries. I think it's more of like, I've been to Ireland, I've been to Australia, I've been to Croatia. And so many of those people have a better work-life balance True. and they really socialize as a community outside of work and families get to know each other. Like in Australia, for instance, everyone goes to like the pubs and they bet on like the dog races and the horse races and on in Ireland, there's a pub on every corner, and there's live music every night, and people just socialize and drink Guinness and 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 have a great time. And in America, it's sort of everything is just very very clicky. So a lot of that clickiness from high school, uh, college is definitely better than high school, but a lot of that clickiness in high school kind of comes back as an adult. Is you know you have your little friend group, you have your tiny little friend group as an adult, 
And then that's it. You sort of just stick to them. And then, you know, making new friends as an adult is really hard. So I have a, I have a very similar story. Okay, I'm here for it. I met, I met, a, I met a dude out here in Philly. Uh, we met, uh, without giving away too much personal information, we met because of speech therapy and there were things that I could help him with. Okay. And we hit it off and, you know, he was a really, really cool dude. And we ended up, you know, going to some like outdoor beer gardens together and having a good time. Mm -hmm. And he would introduce me to his friends that he already had. And everyone assumed that we were gay, that we were boyfriend and boyfriend. And people had to like, oh, I didn't know. Like, oh, Matt, no, yeah, uh, me, me and this dude are, are, are gay or whatever. And that was really awkward. And that was really like, and like at some points I wanted to like uh, play along with it, you know, like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. That's that sort of thing. But then like you shut it down and like, you don't want to say like, oh, we met because of therapy. We met because of this. You don't want to give away that sort of information. That's, right. you know, that's private. Right. And it's just, it's a, it's a shame that people would like, just like that girl did. And just like the people that I interacted with did people always think that you have some sort of ulterior motive. Right. And all that you wanted to do was make a friend to get some drinks with, maybe go on walks with, maybe just get to know. And, you know, like I'm, I'm super interested in people and yep. I, and I can tell you, I can tell yes. you are too. Each human being is their own book. You know, there's chapter one when they're one, chapter two when they're two. And it's great. It's great to like learn about people. Yeah. And that's really all I want to do. When I came to Philly, I wanted to meet people and learn about them. But people always think like, hey, like, what's in this for you? Uh, what's your deal? Why are you doing this? And it's a shame that it's that way. Yeah. I, I think it's your comment about like other other countries are making friends. I, I, I don't. I wonder if it's not that it's another country. It's that oftentimes people don't leave. And I, I think that yeah. that's the same for other countries as well. Like, you know, if I were to have stayed in Waukesha, Wisconsin, I would have plenty of friends that I had throughout childhood, et cetera. Right. I think it's like that making many people don't leave. So they don't have an opportunity to meet someone new. Mm -hmm. And if you do leave, you're then facing a whole other group of people who never left. Like, yeah, well, well, why, to your point, like, why would we expand our friend group? Like, this is what we've always known. But yeah, like you, you, it's almost like you have better. That's why I thought with that girl that I would have good luck. She's new to the city. Exactly. You know, like you're meeting, because I'd say all of my friends in Philly are from, are with people who are not from Philly because yeah. they left, yeah. right? Like that, this is new for them. They were open to making friends. And yeah, I don't understand the point of that was I'm like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, you're new here. Like, make a friend. I don't, I don't get it. But yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if it's, it might be the same in other countries if they've never left. That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's something that we can maybe do some, do a little research into. Yeah. Kind of see like, you know, maybe speak to some people in some other countries. But, you know, if this past year and this COVID and quarantine and social distancing, if it taught us anything, it's that people need social connections people yes. need human connections and it's it doesn't matter what your age is doesn't matter how tough you are how resilient you are how introverted you are doesn't how busy you are it doesn't matter you need friends yes and you need friends outside of your family outside of your wife outside of your kids outside of your husband uh you people need social connections you need someone to go to restaurants with go to movies with talk about shared interests with 
Because you're not going to have nothing but shared interests with your family. Right. You need to have someone that you can interact with. And and obviously in my line of work, that's super important because that's, you know, when the brain is still developing in adolescence, you need social connections outside of the family, especially when you're living at home and you're are surrounded by the same people every day at school. But as adults, it's just as important. You need to have social connections. You have to be around people. Uh, and you and it, it really should be easier but when you get into your upper 20s, 30s, you really have to work very hard to make social connections. And Philly does a nice job of it with the beer gardens and they have like adult sports leagues mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Facebook makes it a little bit easier. Meet up, you know, you can join different groups, but you really, really, really have to go out of your way to meet people. And, and a lot of people, and I did it when I first joined, uh, when I first moved to Philly, I joined an adult sports league. I played flag football. Uh, I do, I did some meetups, but that initial thought you have is, oh, everyone that I meet in the sports league, everyone I meet at a meetup is going to be weird. You're going to be desperate. And I had to fight those initial negative thoughts of, of, of those thoughts. And I had to persevere and fight through it and say, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to meet these people and see how it is. But you have those initial thoughts that, hey, if these people are doing meetups, they're probably really desperate for friends too. And it, it kind of, you have to push through that negativity. So you put yourself in that same category though, right? Like, were you a desperate person too? Or was it like, yeah, I, they are, I'm not. Yeah, I, yes. I, I was a transplant. I was new to Philly. I didn't know anyone in the area. I didn't have a massive friend group to begin with, you know, cause I was in grad school for so long getting my master's in speech and that basically destroyed my social life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I came here, didn't know anyone. It was just my my girlfriend at the time and my fiance at the time. And it was, it's it's really hard. It's really hard to, to meet people that already have a friend group. And then, you know, I, I, of course I'm biased being a male, but I really do think it's harder for men to meet other men and, and, and build an actual relationship. It's, you know, it's not as easy as, uh, you know, girls can go for a walk and do brunch and that sort of thing. Uh, for men, it's, you know, it's not as easy. It's not as easy. Yeah, I guess I'm having a newfound, like, respect for my boyfriend. And he's really struggled. He said that, you know, like, I've often just approached strangers and been like, you want to be my friend? I've even used that 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 language before. <laughs> um, if I, like, have a conversation with someone and feel like we really click, I'll point blank say, would you like to be my friend? And there you again, go. a lot of people laugh at that. But I've also had very good success with that. But he's always told me, you know, like he, if he would have done that himself, like especially man or woman, that he would have just been weird. Like that's the weird yes. guy. That is the weird. And I, oh, now I feel kind of bad because I've made fun of him for it before. But I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it from a new light. I mean, all of our friends are girls. I'm the one who makes the friends. I make friends who are girls. Because yeah, it is easier, isn't it? And no. think of how many think of how many people leave the town they grew up in. Like the vast majority of people leave the town. They and most people end up. There's so many transplants, especially in cities. You know, there's so many people in Philly, in Philly that were not born in Pennsylvania. People in New York City that were not born in New York, and people just you know like it's it's really hard, and it should be easier, and it should be more accepted. Uh, and you know, you think in the, in this world of technology of Facebook and meetup and these things that it would change people's mindsets towards meeting other people and, 
uh, getting to know new people and other transplants sort of things. But you and I have been here for a short, short amount of time and we have mostly embarrassing negative stories. Yeah. I've met, like, the friends I have now are people that I work with, the dudes who I work with, who are incredible dudes, of course, but would I have ever met them if it wasn't for, for work? No. Uh, you know, I, I have a couple of friends in the city that we met through my wife because she went to grad school here, so it's a, just kind of like a friend of a friend of a friend and that sort of thing, and, you know, you have that negative experience of asking someone for their number and, the, and them saying no. And then it's the same thing, you know, as a dude, asking them for their number and then, you know, when are you going to text them? Hey, dude, what are you doing today? <laughs> I love that you What's keep like saying it's, dude. It, it's Because it's, it's just so weird to think of like, how am I going to text a guy to set up a guy hangout? Yeah. It's not easy to do. Yeah, bro dating is hard. Bro dating is hard. It's a bromance. Yeah, bromances are, I didn't realize that they're so fickle. Yeah, they're women. fickle. They're definitely fickle. You know, and this is this is a good. I mean, if we're really going to delve into our society for a moment, my my best friend, her name is Simmel, but we call her Timmy. Uh, we okay. were. She has. She lives in an apartment complex near Fairmount that has a pool, and her and I were having a girls' day a couple weeks ago, and you know, like we're having some drinks, um, hanging out, and you know, we're in the pool, and I'm just wrapped around her, you know, like a like a sleuth creature like letting her carry me around. And we're just laughing. And then I, it dawned on me, I looked at her and I said, you're never going to meet someone with me wrapped around you like this. Like this is not, but then she, she made a good point at that, in that moment. She said, well, we, we can only get away with this because we're girls. She goes, because if two uh... guy friends were draped on each other like that, it, there's no, even as someone as woke, I'm using air bunnies, woke as myself would be like, that's a couple. But where we're girls, we can, girls can kiss and hug and cuddle and share a bed. And they're like, yeah, those are just best friends. Yeah. Can't, I, you can't, I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, you can't do that. You I don't, thing. I don't, I don't want to do that. I have no, inter <laughs> I have no interest in doing those things. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that's not acceptable. Okay. But hey, if, uh, <laughs> if you, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I'm also doing air, I'm also doing air bunnies. But, uh, you know, if, if that's interest you, that's great. But, you know, that's not not my kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's really, really interesting. And a lot of uh, what you learn as you get older is just how different men and women truly are yeah. in, in their day to day, the way their brain works, the way they process thoughts, the way that they, you know, uh, get through boredom, the way that they uh, deal, interact with others. It's really, really fascinating how, uh, how different, how basically two different species, men and women. Yes. So question, did you, what is your wife's name first before I keep saying your wife? Laura. Laura. I'm sorry. You've told me that before. No uh, problem. Markel is my, my partner's name. Just getting those out of the way. When, did you and Laura meet on an app or did you meet like organically? We met organically. Okay. We met at my old job in New York. Uh, I was running trainings for the center I worked at, and she came for the training. I mean, okay. met that way. Okay. Yep. So that's another, like, that adds a whole other layer to this whole making friends as an adult. Is like, how do you make a romantic friend as an adult? Like, think about, I was just asking for a phone number to hang out with someone to be her friend. Like, I can't even imagine what that's like these days in person. Yep. I mean, COVID aside, because that hasn't helped anyone's dating life, but... I mean, that's a, you know, my, my 
my best friend Timmy. Like, she doesn't want to meet someone on an app. But she's like, how do humans, how do adults, unless, unless you're going to meet through school or work, how does one meet another person? How do you, yeah. like, I feel fortunate that I'm with my, like, forever person because that's terrifying. Like, yes, apps are terrifying. And yes, I don't, I don't envy anyone who has, to, and not even has to, but like, almost like, yeah, has to use an app to meet someone. Like, that adds a whole nother layer to this whole issue of making friends as an adult. I, I, I feel for people like that. I mean, if you had to do it all over again, Mike, would you, would you do an app? No, no. I'm very, very, I'm very, very glad I missed the apps. Very, very glad. Never, never had a Tinder, never had a Bumble, never had any of that stuff. So that stuff did not exist uh, when I was settling down. Okay. Uh, so I'm very, very happy about that. I have some friends who are my age and still single and they love the app life. Oh. Uh, I'm sure that, I'm sure that's sort of, you know, the, the male perspective sort of thing. But I think once, you know, once you get in that mindset where, you know, I'm at that age, I want a serious relationship. I'm not part of hookup culture, mm-hmm. as people call it. I think once they once they think like, okay, I'm I need a steady relationship. I'm ready to settle down. I want to have a long term relationship and really look towards the future long term. I think apps can can be really really frustrating and really really annoying, uh, and uh, it can lead to a lot of frustration uh, and. You know, I, I'm sure there's positive and ne- positives and negatives to Tinder and Bumble, but if you're, you know, I don't know how effective they are for long-term relationships. I, I know there's plenty of weddings. I, I think I read an article a few months ago of, you know, the majority of weddings now are Tinder and Bumble weddings, which is fascinating. Uh, but overall, I can, I'm sure it can lead to a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. I think it's cute that you're saying Tinder and Bumble as like the most hip ha- hip apps right now. Are they not? No, <laughs> no, they're what not. Are, what, what is, what is, what well, is I mean, like app? the app that like is proven to have like most relationships kind of situation that's less of a hookup app is Hinge. Uh, I've heard of Hinge. I've heard yeah. of Hinge. Yeah, so Bumble. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, Bumble is like kind of making its way back around. They just had like a TV ad recently. Um, for like, okay. hey, you're vaccinated. Let's like swing back into it. But Bumble, okay. Bumble is like the app that like the girls have to talk first. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And then they also have a, a bestie Bumble feature where you're just trying to make a yes. friend. Um, yes. But yeah, Tinder is definitely more of like a hookup, flaky kind of app. Hinge is where it's wow. at. Wow. Isn't that fascinating how the apps became that way mm-hmm. like i'm sure tinder didn't start as no. a hookup app no and but now but now you have like the trendy one mm-hmm. you have like the bestie one mm-hmm. and you have the hookup one which is it's fascinating yeah i i did have a tinder account for a year Ooh. but i did use it primarily for the the hookup culture life although that's not what it was called at the time <laughs> but it is it is an app that i used for that purpose you just had okay. to be, you just had to be clear about it. But I also have, I have I have a few friends that have gotten married off of those apps, wow. and or in long term serious relationships. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's it, it's just fascinating to me. Like I'm I, I'm very glad I missed it and I met someone organically, like you said. Uh, but I guess it's working for people. It is, and there's also like I love the apps, and I don't know why this brings me so much joy, but that are like. Not you know like like Christian Mingle, although I don't think that's an app. But there's something um, my my friend Laura 
um, is, is Jewish. And when she was dating before she met her partner, and I think they met on Hinge, um, but there's an app called JSwipe and it's like just for Jewish people, which I think is wow. super interesting, like keeping that bloodline strong. Like I think that's uh -huh. interesting. And I, swipe. yeah, I wonder like if there are apps for like people who are Muslim or Hindu, like any, any kind of yeah. religion. I'm very, very curious about that. I might do some Googling. We might have a, like a, like a fact check kind of situation in the next episode of to do. I know a, there's, a, I, I know there's one, I know there's one for farmers, like farmers meet farmers. Yes. Something like that. Yes. 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 Uh huh. I'm trying to remember how my mom met my, I mean, now ex-stepdad. He was a farmer, but I want to say they, wow. I want to say they, they maybe met through match.com maybe. I don't know. I know that my, my, my stepmom and her current partner, I think met from either match or eHarmony. They've been together for a few years now. Okay. I guess it works. Okay. So wait, hold on. They've been together. I want your opinion on this. They've been, sorry, mom, because I know you're probably listening. She... <laughs> They had, they've been dating for like three years and it wasn't until I went to Wisconsin back in December that, that she finally learned his middle name. Wow. And I thought that was weird. Both, That's definitely weird. Okay. Markel and I both thought it was weird. I was like, wait, what do you mean that this man lives with you and you don't know his middle name? Like, yeah. That's. Got, got to know a middle name. You gotta know, got to know. Yeah, exactly. And, and then he had like a really like rare middle name and i'm like that's that's even more reason why to bring it up like I don't, yes i don't yes know that's def that's definitely strange and that's probably yeah. something from meeting via a website or meeting online it's, it's not as personal as meeting organically so but they you know, they live name. together <laughs> they live together yeah that's yeah that's that's definitely strange okay and, and they're no longer together you said no they are this is my stepmom oh, they i are. have a lot of parents oh. yeah a lot of parents. Yeah, I do. I'm a wow. I'm, I'm a fortunate one that I've got a lot of oh. adults who love me. <laughs> that's that's very interesting. A lot. I, I've never heard someone say I have a lot of parents. I do. I have more than that's, the average person. That's a claim. How many parents do you have? Well, I used to have four. Now I'm down to three. Okay, down to three. Okay, mm -hmm. that's pretty good. Three parents. Yeah, I mean, works. Yeah, I just think it's more than most people. Like most people claim to have two. Yes. Right. And some people aren't. aren't some people aren't fortunate to have. You know, have two. Some have less. That, so that that's is true. Uh, so having more than two, I never really even thought about that. Having more than two, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess. So when typically, for the the sake of this podcast moving forward, if I say my mom, blah 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 blah, I'm talking about like my biological birth mother. If I say my parents, I'm referring to my dad and my stepmom. Okay. And that has nothing to do with anyone being a better or more present parent. That's just my, my dad and my stepmom were together for 16, 17 years. Um, they divorced me like three or four years ago, three years ago now, maybe. Um, but she's still 100% in my life. So she's always been my parent. You know, she's been around since I was seven. So yeah, it's a strange dynamic. And then my, my, my mother, a separate human, um, has been around my whole life, but, uh, is, is not, in the, the parents category when I talk about them. Oh, there we go. That is really cool. Yeah. So there you go. Yes. And how much, are. how much did all those experiences shape you into who you are? Like, like, uh, seeing some sort of your parents evolve sort of, sort of way. Yeah. I mean, so 
my my stepmom and I did not get along at all mm. growing up. Um, we actually didn't start having like a relatively decent relationship until a few years ago. Um, okay. And I think it was because her and I are very, very similar. Um, okay. I don't think I realized that until even when I was, um, so she's, she has breast cancer at the moment. Um, and when she was diagnosed and went to have a double mastectomy, I stayed with her for the month of December. Um, Markel and I did to take care of her from her surgery. And I didn't even realize until then just how similar we are. And I was like this, and wow. I, I told her, I said, I think this is why we didn't get along. And she's like, oh, I've thought that before. Like this is, wow. you know, um, so yeah, that, however, my, my parent, my dad and my, my, my birth mom, they divorced when I was two, three years old. So I've never known them as a married couple, but they were always, always, always on the same page of how to raise me. So, I mean, I feel fortunate. Like I would have rather been raised with parents who were divorced and getting along than parents who were married and fighting. Um, ah, interesting. Yeah, and then I mean, having my stepmom in my life, like it kind of catapulted me into adulthood. And that's a, a story for another day. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And and yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of it. Do you have like traditionally married parents? Yes, I do. My okay. parents have been together since since day one. So, okay. You know, they certainly don't always get along. Certainly, lots of uh, lots of turmoil, and you know, my parents could not be bigger opposites. Uh, in every possible way, but they are still together. And I have a very small family, very, very small family. So, you know, I, I, I think uh, I think that's what I, I love about this podcast is, you know, just like I said before, is uh, each person is their own story, their own book, their own chapters. And everyone is, you know, the, the whole nature versus nurture thing. And a lot of uh, a lot of our experiences and a lot of what's happened to us with our family and moving and meeting new people and you know, each day and each experience sort of molds us and adds a brick onto the character of our lives kind of thing, you know? I am a brick person. There you go. <laughs> well, this has been a lovely chat, Mike. It has. I, I, I feel like this is a natural ending point because we do have more topics that we want to cover in other episodes. Uh, thank you, strangers, for joining us. Yes, Anything? I like the strangers. I like referring to the listeners as strangers. I like that. Thank you. So all you strangers out there, uh, feel free to leave comments wherever you downloaded, ask questions, tell us your story, and maybe someday you can join us. Maybe someday we can have a special guest. I and thought, you, and, and you, hey, I've got some yeah. ideas about how to get some special strangers yeah. out here. Yeah. yeah, and you don't, you don't have to be a, an established person. You could be any Joe Schmo, any person. You're a stranger, you're a listener, you want to hop on and you want to tell your story, hop on. Right. Instagram follower count is not considered because if it was, exactly. I'm not cool enough to be doing this podcast. Nope, not at all. Could care less. So let's, <laughs> uh, let's turn off our recordings, mostly because I have a question for you. Let's do it. <laughs>